Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined again today by the one, the only, Kevin and Hillary. Hi. How's it going, guys? Did you enjoy the two-minute break we just took? Yes. Great. great. I did. Great. Um, So I know I got some... Uh, recommendations what are they called what do i do on the show recommendations on yesterday's episode from you guys but i wanted to see if there was any other movies tv shows or like music or podcasts you've been listening to i know you're both very busy um podcast i don't know if you've mentioned it on the show before go for uh, it my favorite murder of which course. i think actually you turned me on to i think i did <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was you oh but i wanted to talk about that because did you just see that let me see where it was so i don't um biff this part but there was a profile written about karen in georgia in like a pretty big newspaper um and it was the new york times in the style section and at least the headline in the tweet was, women seem to love true crime. Why? And I've talked about that a bunch on this show about like why women are obsessed with true crime. But I love this quote. And I think they were pulling from some kind of sociological study. Mm-hmm. Uh, women use tales of rape, murder, and serial killers as a way to process the dark persistence of misogynistic violence in society at large. Yeah. Um, yep. Which I think is 100% <laughs> accurate. Yes. Women are constantly under threat, no matter like where we live, uh, who we know, what we do day to day. And we, uh, in order to deal with the constant threat, fantasize a lot about like bad things that could happen to us. Mm -hmm. And I really think that listening to true crime stories helps us manage that fear. Very much so. In a similar way, um, my older sister was very much into metal. Like uh-huh. heavy metal and heavy rock and things like that. And and one of the things that I think was discovered or studied years ago was that um, adults who had listened to heavy metal were actually better adjusted as adults. Oh, wow. Um, and part of that was because, you know, they were used to having to deal with unpleasant things. Right. Um, and I think the same thing is said for true crime where it's like it's, it's almost sort of um, – exposure therapy in a way yeah of of just being like man there's these really horrible things that happen and and if you're used to it it's sort of like it's less scary yeah it's interesting too because i feel like there's a difference between my favorite murder and i started listening to this other podcast called small town dicks nobody laugh Oops. <laughs> Oops. Uh, dicks meaning private investigators and um, just cops in general who live in this small community who have dealt with various horrific things. Because my favorite murder, I've never had to skip an episode because I feel like Karen and Georgia, because they're women, mm-hmm. um, if stuff gets too graphic, they'll kind of like soften it a little bit. They, it's like a little glossing over the, and they, they do it in a great way where it's just like, ew, 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 okay, moving on. Right, right. Whereas small town dicks, because they're interviewing the actual detectives who thus far are all men, they go into like such graphic detail that I've had to skip episodes mm-hmm. where I'm like, this is, so there is a threshold even for that, you know, mm-hmm. where like it gets too real. And then I'm like, this is not fun for me. I don't want to hear about how a baby was horrifically tortured before it was killed. You, you know, just tell me that it no, was Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I I do think that, like, there's a threshold for that. Like, even women who enjoy it as a form of entertainment, like, and it it varies depending on the woman, uh, because I belong to the My Favorite Murder group on (gasps) Facebook. Yeah. 
And even like among those women, they definitely like some of them are like, I can't watch or read that story. You know, mm-hmm. it's too much. Other women are like, give me more, more details. So like it depends on the person as well. But yeah, I thought it was a really interesting profile. And I do think there's a definite link between our misogynistic culture and why women are obsessed with true crime. I think, yes, I think exposure therapy is a great way to put it. I mm-hmm. do think that's what women are doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's scary, but I also really love that with the, my favorite murder podcast specifically, um, is it, it sounds like you're hanging out with your friends. Yes. They're, they're two women and they have a, they, I mean, they'll laugh and be like, sorry, this isn't funny. Like this is actually very serious, but they, they present the information in a way that it does feel like you and I are sitting around talking about this like crazy news story. Right. Um, and that has been great. And that actually led me back into the, um, a criminal Minds archive that is okay. currently on Netflix. Okay, okay. Um, that with that actually there is also a threshold where I'm like, okay, enough. Yeah. You got to move on to like something different, lighthearted. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really interesting. It's sort of that like cross between, um, oh man, what was that? The show that was about the creation of the the they call it the BSU, the Behavioral Science Unit on Criminal Minds, but it's n- not that. Oh, uh, I don't know. It was, we watched it. You told us about it and then we watched it. Oh, the Netflix show? Oh, Mindhunter. Yeah. Mindhunter. Mindhunter, Mindhunter uh, yeah. It's basically like it, yeah. fictionalized Mindhunter. Mindhunter is amazing if you guys yeah. haven't seen it. I'm so excited for season two. I can barely contain mm-hmm. myself. Is that going to come out soon? I Do feel you know? like, I don't know. I feel like they announced season two kind of recently, but also I've lost my grasp on time. So yeah. I don't know how long ago that was or how, like how long it takes them to shoot a season. Right. So. Well, it's also like, did they air last season while they were filming the second season? Like, Ooh, yes. You yeah. Never know. Yeah. Um, you must work in the industry. I know. <laughs> you know your job. I might know a thing or two about scheduling. Uh, <laughs> so criminal minds, great recommendation. Um, did I have any other true? I feel like I have really tapped the well with true crime podcasts on uh, iTunes, at least. Um, I'm obsessed, guys. Oh, have you read and you have like no time to read, I'm sure, or like listen to the audiobook because that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And actually, I recommend it a lot because it's a great audiobook. Um, Michelle McNamara's I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I have not yet. <gasps> she, guys, she predicted the uh, the arrest of the Golden State Killer. Yeah, I I love that. Like, I didn't follow every episode of my favorite murder because mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to yeah. be there. Um, but they like did the thing about the book, and then it seemed like within weeks they were like, "Oh, the Golden State Killer's caught." Yeah, we got him. Yeah, and it was I thought that Wild. was a really awesome turnaround. <laughs> and she was like right on his heels the whole time. Like mm-hmm. she had tracked down. Uh, an item that he had stolen from one of the houses in a pawn shop. Like she was like right there the whole time. It's really amazing. Um, Did I tell you? I didn't tell you, obviously I'm going to see a live taping of my favorite movie (gasps) when they come to New York. I'm going with Rachel. (laughs) I keep meaning to like look up when they're going to be in New York. And then I always forget to do that. Yeah. I'm beyond excited. I'm going to be a fucking handful at that show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As you should be. I actually, I really do like listening to the live shows. A lot of times people don't like them. No, I think that, and, I think in general, sometimes live shows are difficult to listen to because the levels are always off. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it feels like the audience is so much louder. 
than the person or the audience is obnoxious. I see. I find the option, but uh, the opposite. I find like I can't hear the audience. So mm-hmm. if there's laughter or anything and they're pausing, I can't hear the laughter. So it's just this weird pause. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like whatever they do for that for their live it shows, works, yeah. it really works. Yeah. And it's fun. It's very fun. Um, I <laughs> I will say too, like I have a way easier time listening to podcasts, true crime podcasts that are hosted by women. Yep. I remember a while ago they did a crossover with the guys from, or I think it was just Dave Anthony from The Dollop. Uh-huh. And they asked Dave Anthony why he doesn't do true crime because they just um, recap like amazing historical stories. And he was like, well, because our show is hosted by two men and it would be fucking creepy. And I was like, yeah, kind of. I don't want to hear two dudes <laughs> talk about women being like raped and mutilated. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it seems like that can get into real gross territory. Yeah. Real yeah. And fast. like they don't want to talk about it, which no. I was like, is probably the sign of a healthy mind yes. <laughs> that they're like, mm, this depresses us. We are not interested. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, cool. Cool. So true crime wreck. I always appreciate that. Uh, what was. I know you guys said The Ritual was the last movie you saw, but before that, what was the last movie you guys saw? I don't even remember. What did we watch last night? Dreamscape. <laughs> I, I fell asleep. Don't in the watch that movie. <laughs> <middle> <laughs> of it. Oh, you also do anti-rex on the show if you want people to avoid anything. What is Dreamscape? Dreamscape came out in 1984. It is a film about a psychic. Okay. Who uses his psychic ability to aid in some sleep research studies. Okay. So essentially, it's Dennis Quaid looking super studly with his hair. Great. And his, and his abs. In and they, there's a, there was a butt money shot of him. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Granted, yes. granted, he was still wearing tiny shorts. He had the shortest shorts. But there was absolutely <laughs> no other purpose for that shot yeah. coming from someone who knows how to make a movie. <laughs> But to show off his butt. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was okay. one of those things where he's like <laughs> kneeling down to this kid in a wheelchair and they like <laughs> hold that frame yeah, yeah. and he stands up in the frame. It was like an in-street shot of his nice went, butt. <laughs> what? Because huh? all of a sudden there's just these short shorts that like come into the frame. And I was like, I, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, honestly, yeah. it sounds like you're trying to sell me on this movie. I mean, if you can, go, if you need to watch Look, up to that one that clip, bad. go ahead and do it. <laughs> but it came out in 1984 and it's a sci-fi movie about a psychic who can enter other people's dreams. So be prepared for some terrible compositing work because it's legitimately just superimposing film stock together, Mm. which is, if you know anything about it, it's not very easy to do, especially when you're trying to do a movie like this. Yeah. There's also some really questionable sexual harassment in the workplace stuff. I think he raped her. In her dreams, <laughs> it's, yes. He basically he goes. He it's like, inappropriate. <laughs> he asks her on a date, and she's like, "No, man, this is a workplace, and I want to keep it a workplace. Oh, this fun. is professional." And she was like, so "I like he you." Freddy Kruegered her, but actually, Kevin mentioned <laughs> something. So she's she like goes into her office to like check on her or something, and she's asleep. And he's like, "All right, cool." <gasps> and he no, sits no, no, down no. in a chair. Separate from her, away from her, sits down in a chair, and then enters his mind and and enters his dream, which enters her dream. Her dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. And then they have sex in that dream, but the thing is that like 
because she fell asleep first, she, she doesn't know consent. that if yeah. he is that is rape. Yes. She can consent, but she doesn't know that it's actually him knowing it, or if it's only her and her private right. space. Is she sure, is she sure. having a sexual dream? Because she admitted in the in the movie that she was attracted to him, but she wanted to keep it professional. Still got to consent. So you like, still got to consent, sir. She was having a sexy dream about him, but he actually went in her dream and had sex right. with her after she said no already. He needs so to go to jail. It was, he should go to jail. And they tried to have a conversation <laughs> afterwards to sort of like clean up the situation. Yeah. But it was still like really. It was very obviously a, written by a dudes. Man wrote it. Yeah, was I was like, going to say I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a man wrote they're it. Like it's cool. Like, They'll talk about it afterwards. It'll like, be fine. He's basically like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's like, Man, I really wish you'd quit apologizing, and I could just be mad at you. And I was like, This doesn't make any what? sense. What? Unless yeah, she's like, like, Can't you go back to being your like stubborn self instead of being apologetic? It's like, No, you should apologize. Punch he him in the mouth. Times. <laughs> that's how it should have ended. Punch him in the mouth, and he goes to jail, and that's the end of that film. Yes. <laughs> oh God, guys. Just okay. watch Inception. Just watch it kind of was Inception. Let me like, tell I think Inception I, ripped it off. <laughs> Inception's yes. a very divisive movie. I stand by Inception. I think it's a great movie. I liked it. I and I know it. Christopher well Nolan ripped it off. Uh, anime film. I know all that, and he admits it too. I'm sure, sure that anime film was written about something else. It was some homage to some book by probably Philip K. Dick or Isaac Asimov. We're all or ripping off each other, guys. Sci-fi is sci-fi. Homage, sci-fi. Homage. homage, right? <laughs> That's how you get away with plagiarizing. You just go homage very loudly until people move on. It works. Uh, so while we're still in the pop culture section, I wanted to talk about this ridiculous story that. Michael Avenatti and Anthony Scaramucci are shopping around a TV show together, guys. In case you don't remember who the hell those two idiots are. Um, (laughs) Michael Avenatti is Stormy Daniels' attorney. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Anthony Scaramucci used to work for the Trump administration. And those two troublemakers (laughs) are shopping around a show together. I have no idea what it would be about. Um, I don't know if they're going to get a show. I am just... Like, this has to be one of the signs of the apocalypse, right? I need so much more information about right? this. How, like, I, 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 I don't wish even I had know, more like, details. Where, who, who would buy this? Is it a comedy? Is it's it going to be epics. <laughs> is, it a do- is it a reality TV I show? I hope it's like a buddy sitcom, like The Odd <laughs> Couple. I hope it's like in front of, like, it's just canned laughter and it's like on a sound stage. And I hope it's that. I mean, to give you any form of comfort, just because something gets bought does not mean that it gets made or aired. And I should mention, too, that, like, they, I think they both have um, individually denied that it was true, but um, television networks have claimed they've been pitched a show, so I don't know what the fuck this thing is. (laughs) I'm darkly, like, interested, where I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, what could it be? I'm just kind of like... Would it be a legal advice show, but then Scaramucci? I don't know. I feel like it would have to be something that's like History Network centered, where it's like, you want to know the truth of what it's like in the Trump administration. See, but White I don't House, think they could get away with dramatize it. No, but I feel like, well, I, maybe less of that, but I think uh, Scaramucci is probably like, I'd like it to be about my life, but we'll fictionalize so it. So I was thinking, have you ever seen the show on Bravo called Botched? Yes. Okay, so for those who don't know, Botched (laughs) is two surgeons who Mm -hmm. previously had appeared on other Bravo shows as, like, the husbands of the Real Housewives. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that backstory to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the one dude is Jill's husband. Um, I'm actually spacing on who the other guy is, but 
they both had previously appeared on Bravo shows, shows as like side characters, the mm-hmm. husbands. So they husbands would be in like side characters on half Bravo. of one episode where they're like, honey, are we having another party? Like, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Um, so their job on Botched is to fix botched plastic surgery of people. So mm-hmm. like someone will come in with like huge tits that are like way too big and they'll be like, we can take those down for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how they phrased it. Uh, <laughs> take those down for you. <laughs> come on another shot. So I was thinking maybe it'll be like kind of a botched thing where like somebody comes in with like, ha- they've gotten like shady legal advice and like uh, the mooch will be like, okay, here's how you handle it on a PR level. Ooh. And like um, yeah. the attorney will be like, I'll give you some legal advice. And But they're like real sassy and Italian the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds like the most realistic I, out I of all of this. I that. But that's and too realistic. I want it to be some <laughs> HBO, like, edgy drama, like, yeah. entourage or Californication where they're just like, want. you know, we're just dudes getting our dick wet. <laughs> Sorry. Gross. <laughs> I apologize, everyone. <laughs> that's how they talk. <laughs> it is how they talk. Guys, yeah. to be fair, behind closed doors, that is how they talk. It's just locker room talk. Um, yeah, obviously, that's my fantasy. Like, I want it to be just completely over the top. But then it was like, realistically, what do these dudes have to offer and I'm like well I guess they technically were the confidants of famous people mm-hmm. so like they give advice it's I not always so. great advice but I mean I guess Michael Avenatti didn't technically give Stormy Daniels bad advice but whatever I like how would you feel if your lawyer was shopping around a TV show I would be like what yeah. I'd be like let me reread everything that I signed yeah, to make like, sure that you can't use you can't any talk of about me yeah <laughs> for sure uh, so, guys, anything else that you want to recommend people do? It doesn't necessarily have to be, like, watching or reading or listening to anything. It can also be, like, food, food recommendations, life experience recommendations. Like, I just did this, and I recommend it to Mean everyone. Girls Musical. Oh, I'll say that real quick. Yeah. Um, so, I've got a friend in from L.A. who she and I had actually never met before. We worked together and just became really good friends. Um, And so she's in New York for, like, the first time she's ever been in New York. And she was like, look, Mean Girls Musical is coming out. I really want to see it. Yeah. It's expensive, but do you want to go see it? And I was like, yes, I'm there. How much are tickets right now? Because the Tony has fucked everything up. I think it's at least a couple hundred. I actually still owe her for it. And I haven't actually looked at the amount that I owe her. It's it's expensive. Leave town. Yep. (laughs) Bye. Um, (laughs) Thanks for Mean Girls. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that always happens after the Tonys. Like, if mm-hmm. you can see a show pre-Tonys, it'll be like forty, fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and then they get some nominations, and it skyrockets. Yes, I think also this has like the Mean Girls name and Tina Fey, like the yes. Tina Fey name behind. I don't know how involved she is. I told you I but did improv with the guy who plays Damien. No, Gray Hansen. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, mm. amazing. He's <laughs> wonderful. He's also like lovely as a person. That's good. It's, it, the play is so wonderful. I got the really musical or whatever you want to call it. I had like two on one with him. So I haven't seen him in like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like a year and a half. And Charles went to go see it. And then he went to the stage door afterwards and he was like, oh, you know, my friend. And I was like, fuck, does he remember me? And he did. So I was like, phew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he was really talented. Like, actually, at the time after our class, I messaged him and I was like, hey, if you ever want to do two prov. And he was like, oh, my God, I'd love to. But I'm super busy right now. And then he got a fucking Tony nomination. And I was like, yeah, you were really busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a legit excuse. Uh, yeah, I heard it's great. I haven't seen it yet. I have to get better at. Apparently on Wednesdays, if you go to the box office, mm-hmm. especially for Mean Girls and you wear pink, you can still get like $40 tickets. 
Nice. I like yeah. your wearing pink reference you just threw in there. Oh, you, that's, you, that's like that's, that's the, the rule. That's the rule. You have to wear pink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. Um, so a friend of mine did that and got cheap tickets. Um, one of my Lloyd teammates like compulsively enters the lottery mm-hmm. for a bunch of shows. And he's trying to do a thing where he goes and sees a show with each of our teammates. So he's like, if I get Mean Girl tickets, do you want to go? And I was like, fuck yes. yeah, I want to go. I want I really want to see that and SpongeBob I haven't seen. And I don't understand what the deal is with the SpongeBob one. So SpongeBob was written by a million different insanely talented musical artists. Like uh-huh. every song's written by like another famous person. Okay. And it, apparently it's just really entertaining. The the singers, actors slash actors are amazing. Mm-hmm. And the stage production's really good. So it's just like a fun, great fun. show. Okay. Yeah. And it, but good. apparently, like, the storyline is so simple because, like, little kids go to see it, too. Oh. So it's, like, very, very basic but fun and just joyful. Cool. Yeah. So I was, like, I've heard enough great things uh, from people who I really trust where I'm, like, I should see that as well. I got to just get better at going to see theater because I live in fucking New York City. Right. Yes. It's just, it, we, I will say it, it is really hard unless you are somebody who's, like, has a flexible schedule that yeah. you can see Which like do. random times yeah. that are less expensive yeah. or I mean in general if you do want to go and see everything it gets very expensive in New York City. It does. It does for and sure. It is I'm like let's hard. focus on like moving and like paying down my debt first before I get into like I gotta see more <laughs> theater. Um, but also it's like annoying because it is so expensive to live in New York City you do want to do stuff like that because yeah. it's like well I'm mm-hmm. fucking paying through the nose to live here so I might as well get some cultural benefit yeah. out of it right just walk up the street and be able to go do something <gasps> that should be part of a deal if you live in New York City and you're paying through the nose for rent they just give you Broadway tickets <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the point behind the New York City card there's like a New York City ID or something like that for like museums and things like that is it? it? It's discounted tickets. Oh, interesting. We'll but is it like a that. yearly fee? I actually, no, I think it's free. Yeah. I think really? I, we'll have to check it out. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's a sort of cross-section between trying to uh, assist immigrants and having an identification, like something to help identify them. <laughs> is it the government like, we're going to track you, but here's some cheap tickets? <laughs> well, I think it's like, there are a lot of things that you cannot do if run. you don't have a photo ID. Like you can't go into places without a photo ID or there's right. like things that a photo I've ID affords you. I've seen on the subway, yeah. And so I think it's sort of a way of allowing people to have a photo ID so right. you can do things. Um, but within that wrapped up is like, you get discounted tickets and Okay, et cetera, et cetera. interesting. Hmm. Does anyone have experience with the ID card? I don't know how to feel about it. Hashtag light trees and pod. What are your <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> Guys, it's that time of the show again. Let's all hold hands and cry. It'll be okay. Here is your bad news. So this is a bad news story that I actually never got to talk about because I was overwhelmed by other bad news that was happening and I never got around to it. But the Senate voted last Thursday to confirm Gina Haspel as the next director of the CIA. Um, As a general reminder, she is the torture queen. She was responsible for some of the most horrific torture um, that was... um, done by the CIA and there were six Democrats 
who voted with the Republicans and the administration to push Haspel through. So I wanted to take this time to publicly shame them. Shame, 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 shame. (laughs) Especially if they're (laughs) your state's senator, you should know this as well. Uh, Senator Joe Donnelly of Indiana, Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Bill Nelson of Florida, Gene... Shaheen of New Hampshire and Mark Warner of Virginia. So if those are your representatives, um, know that they pushed through the the queen of torture and they should never be allowed to live that down because it's vote them out. disgusting. You should vote them out. You should definitely vote them out. Um, <clears throat> every other Democrat, along with Republicans Rand Paul and Jeff Flake, voted against Haspel. John McCain, who opposed Haspel's nomination, is still too sick to vote. Um, so, yeah, horrifying. And the fact that this was dressed up as some kind of victory for feminism was... <laughs> <laughs> it would be laughable. She has lady parts, though. Yeah, it would be laughable if it wasn't... If I didn't see so many people sort of pushing it, oh but obviously it's, it's not a victory for feminism. Part of feminism is judging um, women by their respective actions and achievements and ideologies. And so actually it's a, it's a feminist approach to not give Gina a uh, pass just because she happens to be a lady. I mean, true equality is the ability to be like, that person is awful in and of themselves. <laughs> and Gender she, yeah. not required. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I did want to talk about that because... It's important to remember what Democrats voted for torture. And, yeah, let's vote them the fuck out of office, shall we? So there is an article over at The Intercept, which is about um, the most recent round of hacked emails by a group that refers to themselves as Global Leaks that have previously claimed to be affiliated with the website DC Leaks. And the hacked emails show um, that the United Arab Emirates is building a very close relationship with Washington, D.C. think tanks that push its agenda. Why should I care, you ask? So the UAE has a shockingly bad human rights record. Um, One of the worst in the world. It's kind of weird that we don't talk about it more, but the reason we don't talk about it more is because the UAE also has really, really cozy relationships with DC elites. And that includes people like Hillary Clinton and um, other Obama administration veterans. And this latest batch of hacked emails passed to The Intercept and other outlets provide insight into how the UAE manages to find or buy so many friends in D.C. think tanks. The documents offer a glimpse into how a small, oil-rich monarchy can obtain such an outsized influence on U.S. foreign policy. Um, and it shows this w- through these like large payments that are being made in return for maybe not focusing so much on the terrible human rights record or... or arranging um, other kinds of access. So I wanted to talk about that because it is a really big story that's, um, it's getting attention because it was like on the front page of the New York Times. (laughs) So I don't want to be one of those people who was like, nobody's talking about it. (laughs) Clearly like everybody's talking about it. Funny, I've never heard of the New York Times. (laughs) But I feel like it is one of those stories, even though it's getting like front page coverage, that 
maybe around the water cooler people aren't talking about because there's so many scandalous things happening right now that it is. I talked about this in my interview with Alexis Goldstein on Monday's episode. It's hard to keep track of everything. Um, And a lot of this stuff we're kind of outraged about in passing and then we forget about it. And I especially think that a lot of people don't understand the U.S.'s relationship with the United Arab Emirates. Um, In fact, I I would imagine that a lot of people don't even know what the UAE is and like that the U.S. has a, a very cozy relationship with them. So I'll link to this full article at, um, and I don't plug this enough, the Light Trees and News SoundCloud. That's where you can find all of the links to articles and stuff like that. Also, if you're on SoundCloud, go follow us over there. Um, that's like a new thing I'm trying. I've never Ooh. been on SoundCloud before, but people recommended it to me, so I'm trying it, guys. Why not? Grandma's trying to stay up to time. You mean it's not just people I went to high school with posting horrible rap music? <laughs> no, although if I get bored, I might drop a track. So <laughs> that's bad. I won't. That would be like the worst thing anyone would ever hear. Uh, so I also wanted to talk about, speaking of leaks, um, this so-called informant uh, who was used to spy on Trump's 2016 campaign President Trump got very in his feelings about this because he and the Trump administration are trying to frame it as this informant was spying on them. But how the Justice Department is framing it and the FBI is framing it is, no, no, we knew a bunch of shady shit was happening in your administration um, linked to Russia and we we're afraid your campaign was compromised. So we put an informant in there to like make sure you're not being used by Russia, basically. So it depends on how you frame it. Um, but they were very, very, the FBI was very, very confident that illegal stuff was happening. They were so afraid that they believed it was a threat to national security. And so they dropped an informant in there to tell them what the fuck was going on. Trump is now freaking out about this and, you know, saying that he was being (laughs) spied on. And I mean, it is rhetorical, right? Like if someone's monitoring you and they don't and you don't know they're there and they're reporting back to the FBI, they're spying on you. Right. But also it's like they had good cause to spy on you, which was you guys were breaking the fucking law. It's it's also that I mean, my perspective is if you're trying to be the president of the United States we should be allowed to figure out if there's shady shit going on. Yeah, and I hate being in this position because I hate ever feeling like I'm defending the FBI, which is a terrorist organization that should not exist mm-hmm. and also has a horrible track record of monitoring people like, I don't know, Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Like, inexcusable, horrible behavior. But when you hear their rationale on this, it was kind of like, they do exist as an institution. Their job is to monitor people who they think are a threat to national security. I can't think of a better example of that than the Trump administration (laughs) (laughs) or at that time, the Trump campaign, which clearly had several shady things going on. Um, Several sound is too few, but several things specifically with links to Russia. So they had, you know, cause to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still hate being in that position where I'm like, well, the, the FBI was right. You know, I'm like, I hate both of you. You're both terrible. <laughs> but like, Don't did they have, you. you know, a valid reason to be suspicious? And it's like, oh my God, yes. If there was any, other than like mafia organizations, the Trump administration is the shadiest thing to happen. Yes. 
in recent memory. <laughs> no argument. I think I could say that. <laughs> yeah. So I'll also link to this. This is a Washington Post article about it. And they go into more detail about it. Um, and essentially this is written by um, Asha Rangappa, who's a senior lecturer at the Jackson Institute for Global Affairs at Yale and a former FBI agent. So it's it's very skewed in that sense. But it's interesting because um, she is coming at it from an angle of here's the threshold we have, or I should say like the set of requirements we have for doing something like this. And the Trump administration was so far beyond it that like they felt like they had to do it. So make of that what you will. I think you can, I think you can make the argument that yes, they were spying on the Trump administration, but also if we're going to say that there is a certain set of standards that require someone to be monitored because there's such a threat to the United States, um, then maybe, yeah, the, it, it was reasonable Yes, in that situation, which is like a sticky thing to say because the FBI also claims that certain activists are such a threat to yeah. national security that they mm -hmm. need to be monitored. Guys, this is why I don't like being in a position where I have to say <laughs> anything nice about the FBI because I don't think that same, same set of require or uh, same standards should be applied to say like, environmental activists yeah, or people who are trying to film atrocities in in factory farming right, right. exactly or right. like people like <laughs> fucking martin luther king yes <laughs> people fighting for civil rights like but they claim the same thing right and it's especially scary right now because um there was just a black activist who was jailed for his extreme black identity views which were literally him posting about police brutality. So the but the <laughs> FBI was was turned on to that by fucking Infowars. Oh. Infowars did a video God. about him. So that's why I'm like using that rationale can get very sticky because it's like, well, I don't think the FBI has a right to spy on people who are fighting against police brutality or the effects of climate change or animal cruelty. But then you have the fucking Trump administration, which is just openly colluding with Russia, <laughs> <laughs> not even really trying to hide it that much. And it's, it's difficult to be like, you can't go after them either because it's like, well, this is clearly illegal. Yeah. Guys, I have it's many thoughts least. and feelings about it. Um, but also in some bad news, speaking of fascists, um, a Oklahoma GOP candidate gubernatorial candidate in Oklahoma proposed euthanasia for people on food stamps who are too disabled to work. In a Facebook post made by a page what? purporting to be for uh, okay governor candidate Christopher Barnett, the administrator initially posted a poll about food stamps requirements and then made comments claiming euthanasia is a solution to the issue of the poor and disabled. Um, in a post made by Tulsa resident Lisa Schwartz, screenshots of the thread from the Christopher Gov campaign page <laughs> that shares a name with Barnett's campaign website reveal the comments. Most receiving food stamps uh, work or are disabled, a user commented on the poll post. Some are elderly. The ones who are disabled and can't work, why are we required to keep them? The Christopher Gov account responded, <laughs> sorry, but euthanasia is cheaper and doesn't make everyone a slave to the government. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's the government killers. Oh, boy. Uh, so now, of course, of course, of course, uh, he's blaming hackers for the Facebook comment. 
Um, which is just like a very easy way to get out of trouble. (laughs) Once you said something stupid online, you're like, I was hacked. Um, so yeah, he defending his now deleted comments. The account administrator mused as to why American taxpayers should have to keep up people who cannot contribute to society any longer. Obviously, I'm not saying the government should put these people down. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's really That is that. exactly what euthanasia is, though. I'm just saying that we shouldn't keep them up. <laughs> so just, like, let them die. <laughs> that's oh, not euthanasia. Okay. Uh, if they can take care of themselves without government assistance, great. If not, let them starve and die. Easy as that. Listen, and I wish I could say this is an extreme viewpoint for the GOP, but it's not no, anymore. Nope. It's not really anymore. not. Um, and it's frightening how mainstream that's become. And again, how are they allowed to call themselves the pro-life party? Thank you. No. How? No. What they are talking about is a re- like even more fucked up um, version of what the Nazis did. And I know that's overused, an overused comparison, but hear but me out. But I mean... The, the like the superior race shit, you know, where it's like we only want a certain kind of person to thrive. And you're talking about the Aryan race. It's usually white, mm-hmm. attractive, blonde eyed, blue eyed, blonde eyed, blonde haired, <laughs> blue eyed people. Um, that would be weird. The, if you're a person of color, if you're a child who's a person of color, if you are um, a person with disabilities, if you are a person who is um, mentally handicapped, they're not talking about you because you're an undesirable. You can right. fucking die for all they care, you know? And in fact, they're actively working that that happens. Uh, it's the reason that Trump made fun of a, a disabled reporter. Um they are vile human beings who think that anybody who is slightly outside their version of beauty or like the superior race should go die in a ditch somewhere and they don't want to pay for you to live. And by pay for you to live, quote unquote, it's like you getting your tax money back because you pay taxes. So it's not even like when they say you're a mooch on society, it's like, no, you're actually probably talking about people who have worked right. mm-hmm. and paid into a system that they ne- now need help from. And that's the whole reason we have that's the system. Why it exists. I mean, Fucking it's also ridiculous. like as a collective society, mm. we should be able to help those who need it. You would think. And also, oh, there was a guy who believed in that. Uh, Jesus. Like, Jesus believed in taking (laughs) care of the poor and the needy. How are these fucking people calling themselves Christians? I mean, it's so interesting. People like to live in, like, communities, right? Because they feel nurtured and taken care of in a community. And it's like, so so do that. Take care of the other people in your community. And that means your neighbors. That means your friends. It means people who are different than you. You still, if you want to be taken care of, you need to take care of someone else. Right. I'm, I'm also wary, though, of, like, charity ever substituting for government aid yes because that that's also like a weird religious argument that Mm -hmm. comes from the right where they're like oh we don't need government because we'll take care of each other and it's like yeah but you still need an umbrella system that because if you're in an underserved community that doesn't have good charity programs you know like and also charity is not a substitution for a living wage for benefits for having a house of your own and access to like good healthy food and the only way you get those things in place is through a massive government effort it's not enough for like your local charity they can't handle it and that might not be a failing of their own they like they may want to help in that way they just don't have the resources in ngos are there to supplement where 
government can't reach. Right. Which tends to be in horrible, insanely horrible situations or situations where you just can't get in, like right. in, in which is usually in foreign nations where right. or you're the government afraid has that, collapsed, literally. Or you're afraid that the aid will be like, uh, someone will intervene right, and like right, take right. it. Yeah, like there are a lot of reasons why NGOs are important and essential, but yeah, they can't substitute. And that's the thing. We're like one of the wealthiest nations. Yeah. We can give people help. We totally yes, have the resources to do it. Yeah, we might have to like tax the upper 1% slightly higher Just and maybe not wage unending wars everywhere, but we can do it what? like we can get flint clean water <laughs> we have the ability we just choose not to because again um there are so many government officials who view the people who don't have access to stuff like water as undesirable so right. it's like these are poor people of color we don't give a shit about them i mean i wish i really wish there was just like a one page budget that like we could just give to some people to just be like well, if we just move some things around right. all of a sudden <laughs> the money appear like yeah there's too much money going into other places that sure. don't serve it. Yeah, there, there's a ton of problems with... Um, although I, I will push back a little against the notion of the one-page budget just because I think conservatives yeah. sometimes... Like, obviously, there's a problem with pork, right? Yeah. Which is so many of these politicians have promised money to, like... It's like pay-to-play stuff where, you know, I'll, I'll get you... Th- uh, this project in your community if you donate a lot to my campaign, yeah. stuff yeah. like that. But then also, the United States is an enormously complex well, that's what nation I with a bunch of different needs, and like the budget's probably going to have to be many, many pages. I get all that, but I do think that it could stand to be parsed down a lot, especially because what we end up not talking about are is like the military-industrial complex, yes. where it's like I, I don't think a lot of people know like billions of dollars is used to maintain like jets that we don't use mm-hmm. or don't even really work. You right. know, like they worked in theory and then they got them up in the sky and it was right. like, oh, this thing never can mind. barely fly. Never mind. Uh, like shit like that, which is so wasteful. It's like mm-hmm. we don't need this shit. Just like cut that jet and like build a <laughs> hundred schools, you know, yeah. um, that shit is infuriating. But guys, before we run out of time. Here is your good news. So my first good news item, again, has to do with someone who I don't want to pray. Uh, but there is a Houston police chief named Art As- uh, Acevedo who says he's sick of inaction on gun control. He posted a very pained message on Facebook after Friday's shooting in Santa Fe. Um, and he said, he, this is what he posted. Uh, Today I spent the day dealing with another mass shooting of children and a responding police officer who is clinging to life. I'm not ashamed to admit I've shed tears of sadness, uh, of sadness, pain, and anger. I know some have strong feelings about gun rights, but I want you to know that I've hit rock bottom and I am not interested in your views as it pertains to this issue. Please do not post anything about guns aren't the problem and there's little we can do. My feelings won't be hurt if you defriend me, and I hope yours won't be if you decide to post about your views and I defriend you. 
I have never accepted the status quo in anything I do, and I've never accepted defeat, and I won't do it now. I will continue to speak up and will stand up for what my heart and my God commands me to do, and I assure you he hasn't instructed me to believe the gun rights are bestowed by him. The hatred being spewed in our country and the news norms and the new norms we so-called people of faith are accepting is as much to blame for so much of the violence in our pragmatic nation, in our once pragmatic nation. This isn't a time for prayers and study and inaction. It's a time for prayers, action, and for asking of God's forgiveness for our inaction. Especially the elected officials that ran to the cameras today acted in a solemn manner, called for our prayers, and will once again do absolutely nothing. I close by saying I wish those that move on from this page the best. May God bless you and keep you. So, I mean, I thought that was a really extraordinary moment to hear a Houston police chief say, I'm sick of this shit. And the elected officials aren't doing anything. I mean, admittedly, it seems like what really got him going is the fact that a police officer was, like, critically wounded. Um, But also, he clearly seems very upset where about a mass shooting of children yet again. And like, I wish more law enforcement would talk about this shit. Cause in addition to obviously the kids being on the front lines in school, when they're trying to go to school, the cops who show up have to deal with mass shooters too. So you think more of them would be outraged about this shit. Yeah. You'd, you'd think that they would be more upset that they have to do these like, extremely difficult tasks within their job yeah and like listen i know like the the blue lives matter shit where like they really consider themselves an army which is a really healthy way to deal with the public um (laughs) but and maybe listen maybe this is how it's going to happen it's going to happen from like the top and like because the time police officers do try to like blow the whistle they can easily be dismissed or bullied or like intimidated into silence. But to have a police chief say this is really powerful, you know? And also like a, it's good leadership, right? You know, it's, it's a good way to lead because hopefully other officers, you know, um, under him will feel emboldened as well to be like, yeah, can we talk about gun control? Because I'm afraid to go to work every day because I don't know who's going to be fucking armed. Also, the police should be banned and they shouldn't have guns as well. But but I'm saying while we do have a police police forces all across the country, um, yeah, you think they would want to make their own jobs safer, which is get the guns out of as many hands as possible. It seems it seems like such an obvious answer to it just does. be like, Look, if, if we get rid of a lot of guns, then people are less scared of guns. And like, <laughs> I'm sure, and I'm sure there are a lot of officers who do feel that way, but maybe they don't feel like they can speak yeah, up. They may be, yeah, yeah. They may yeah. be being silenced. Look, if I had to go into my edit suite every day and I had to walk down the hall with people carrying weapons and firing at me, I'd probably want that to stop. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Also, I think there's like probably this hesitancy to to identify with the side that also criticizes you for police brutality. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like there's probably that like, well, I don't want to look like a bleeding heart liberal. Yeah. By talking about how I don't want kids to die. Uh, I do like how he has to point out that he doesn't feel ashamed that he's sad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I cried. But it's cool, though, dude. I also like that I have never been defeated. It's like, all right, dude, calm down. (laughs) Calm down. You're very manly. (laughs) I feel how manly you are. So strong. Yeah. Um, Cis, white cis straight dudes are a fucking trip, man. Like, I can't imagine. (laughs) I mean, I'm assuming that about Art (laughs) Acevedo. Like, maybe not those things, but... 
just to have like that amount of testosterone and machismo, like calm the fuck <laughs> down. Like you walk around with your asshole clenched so tight. <laughs> okay, just chill. Um, I was going to say something. Nope, it's gone. But yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Um, also, uh, we've been talking a lot about the two black guys who were arrested when they were just sitting in a Starbucks just for a meeting. <laughs> so there was this huge public backlash to that happening, rightfully so. And I think this is a good example of how direct action and sort of, sorry guys, uh, collective outrage, like well focused collective outrage can result in tangible changes. So Starbucks has been holding like a lot of uh, racial sensitivity training <laughs> in the wake of that, which is basically like if you're white and a manager, don't be a fucking racist asshole and just call the cops on black people for existing <laughs> inside Starbucks. Why it's really not that hard. <laughs> but really? also this ended up changing uh, pre-existing policies that happened at Starbucks. Like Starbucks has gone on this weird journey where they, started as a company and then they became more and more exclusive to wealthy white people. I mean, it was always that way, but in terms of like who could use the bathrooms, Mm -hmm. who could actually be inside the Starbucks, like it became more and more racist (laughs) as it went along. So now Starbucks is saying anyone can now sit in its cafes, even without buying anything. Um, And I thought before, maybe the story changed, but when I originally saw it, uh, they had said that anybody can use the bathrooms as well. But maybe that they rolled that back. Um, yeah. Uh, Starbucks founder and chairman Howard Schultz said last week that while the company doesn't want to become a public bathroom, we're going to make the right decision 100% of the time and give people the key. So they're saying, like, um, they will give you access to the bathroom. If you asked, you get it. If Supposedly. <laughs> I, I, I will yeah. argue that if you were a person of color who's visibly homeless i don't know if that's gonna happen yeah, no i yeah, it's i'm skeptical man. to see yeah. how uh it's a good idea yeah but when put in, in the hands of specific, like certain people or uh singular people it doesn't always end up how you well, say it's going to end up i mean in an ideal world starbucks wouldn't have to do that new york city would just have public bathrooms like it's weird yes. we don't because we i was just about to be like why don't you just unlock the bathrooms yeah we have very very few pub- we do still have them in some parks and stuff yeah. yeah uh but we have very few public bathrooms usually you have to go into a business or a hotel kind, lobby or a hotel lobby or like um there are certain businesses that you can get away with using the bathroom but not buying something like when i worked at borders you could like come in and use mm-hmm. the bathroom and we weren't going to be yeah. like Let's see a receipt. Um, so, like, but you have to know the city really well. Yeah. I snuck into a restaurant that wasn't open yet <laughs> in New York. In <laughs> wow. New York, there are there are there are I'm basements that there are doors on the street on the sidewalk that you can get into the basements, and that's where most restaurants have to store things. Oh. So the guy is down there. How and he has badly left did you have door. to pee? Look, I always have to pee because <laughs> I have a small bladder. I always have to be. So he's down there and he had left the door ajar. So I was able to get in and get out before he even came out of there. Wow. So that's what it's like to have to pee in New York City. Pee Ninja. <laughs> There's Hashtag a place. Ninja Kevin Pee Ninja. I'm starting to become George Costanza when it comes to like knowing the bathrooms, the public bathrooms. Oh, yeah. uh, there's an episode of Seinfeld where Jerry <laughs> is testing George. Like he gives him any address and he knows the nearest public yeah. bathroom. Uh, but in 
uh, Penn Plaza, the food court, yeah. the <laughs> hidden bathroom that nobody knows about. And I'm not going to tell you fucking monsters because <laughs> I want to keep it for myself. It's an Easter egg. Uh, yeah, it's find an it. Easter egg. But there is like a newish hidden bathroom in Penn Plaza like that few people know about. I'll say less people than like most public bathrooms. Maybe more people know about it now. But back in the day, it was like pristine. Nobody knew about it. It was totally private. And I was like, listen, you motherfuckers, to my friends who knew about it. I was like, nobody can know about this. So you have to keep this on lockdown. <laughs> I mean, you've kept it so much on lockdown. I don't think you've ever told us. I'll tell you you've guys told us off a lot air, of things. But <laughs> you guys should know because Cinnamon Snail's there. Yes. Um, but yeah. Ooh. I shouldn't yeah, have brought it up. There should be an app, though. Too, I feel too like, much has been said already. Like, an app is for there, cinnamon snail? Like, well, no, an app, like oh, a, a map bathrooms. app for public restrooms. There's Isn't gotta there? be one. There's gotta I feel be like one. There is. Yeah, probably. Let me know. If Otherwise, there is. We'll anybody out there? A billion dollars. Um, so before we leave for the day, Kevin, I cut off your nerdy suggestions, <laughs> <laughs> so we can circle back. What are your your nerd candy suggestions? All right, so. I predominantly listen to podcasts because I commute to work on the subway, like uh. people do in New York. Um, my The podcasts that I listen to so much are, A, The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Okay. Um, it's a science podcast, and which um, promotes uh, science and critical thinking mm-hmm. and skepticism. Um, they usually... And those things are... <laughs> what? <laughs> usually they usually they just go after, like, you know, people trying to, like, profit off of these snake oil treatments and stuff like that mm-hmm. and talk about scientific innovation and really debunking things. They kind of pick off where, pick up off on where Carl Sagan left off okay. in his work with promoting science education. Oh, wait. Can I just important. shout you guys out for a second? So <laughs> oh, yes. This is very Hillary important. Hillary and Kevin <laughs> have a wedding website for their wedding, and on it... <laughs> I was like scrolling through it <laughs> and on it, there's a Carl Sagan quote. So I text them and I'm like, Kevin, I can't fucking believe you got a Carl Sagan quote on this website. And Hillary goes, actually, that was me. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you know, Kevin. Which is why I'm so marrying well. her. <laughs> it, was, it was, so our amazing wedding planner. Uh, hi, Natalie. Um, <laughs> she, she was like, okay guys, let me know what you want on your website and I'll put it up there. Yeah. And I'm like looking at hers and looking at others and I'm like, I mean, it, a quote is cutesy, but like yeah. a wedding is cutesy and right. a wedding website is cutesy. So like, let's do it up. Right. Um, and I was trying to find love quotes that Kevin would agree with. <laughs> right. And so I started just searching like <laughs> science love quotes. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them were just like about how much people love science. <laughs> and that then was <laughs> so funny. That was just <laughs> just like you too. <laughs> but uh, I ultimately found the Carl. I think I at one point wasn't getting what I wanted out of it. And yeah. so I just searched like Carl Sagan <laughs> love quote. You can uh, get and that a, came up. You can get a Carl Sagan quote about anything. And That's so true. I was and like, Kevin, he was a talker. what do you think about yeah, this? He, and he, he was, was like, well yeah, it's good. I like it. And I was like, cool, done. Brilliant. It was so brilliant. It was like, I got what I wanted. Yeah. And I got him to agree to it. It was <laughs> flawless. And it's a really good quote too, though. It like, is a great quote. Um, don't I don't want to paraphrase it. Yeah. Um, so, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Um, there's another one that's just fun that I listen to, too. It's uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Ooh. It's just interesting interesting science stuff. Ooh, okay. Ooh. I'm but sensing a really theme. Cool. Uh, yeah, weird. <laughs> another, key, another key word to me, for, uh, other than jujitsu and hockey, is science. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, there's one that I want to plug something that my company did Ooh, um, yeah. because it's out now. I can talk about it. You won't see me in the credits, but I did work on it. It's called One of Us. Mm. It's on Netflix. Ooh. Um, it's a really, 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 really interesting, good documentary. Um, a lot of the documentaries I work on, I don't really want to promote. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all super lefty and we're a liberal company. So it does like toe the lines of everyone listening. But this one's really good because it's just the production value of it was so good. It's about um, ex-Hasidic Jews in New York. Oh, I've heard about um, this. I yeah. actually had it wrecked me by other people. It's yeah. so good. This is the first film that I've worked on that somebody texted me about, like, dude, you got to see this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I worked on that. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like, yeah, I made it. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's very, very good. It, it looks good. It's a very interesting story. And I find it very interesting to learn about um, a little bit of the history of why Hasidic Jews look and act the way they do, but yeah. also what it's like to be in that community. And moreover, what it's like to try to escape that community. Yeah, yeah. because that's it's and, very and culty. Yeah. And the way that it's treated, like, and because they followed, sorry, I'm to cut you off. Yeah, no. Um, there's, story, there's one story about a woman right. who is trying to leave. And if you're a woman in the Hasidic community, you are married and have children. There's no other way of being a yeah. woman you are in that a baby community. Receptacle. Um, and so it, it follows her story of how she wants to leave the community mm-hmm. uh, and also two men and how they want to leave the community and how it's yeah. so vastly different. It's, for the it's that amazing. Doing it. I don't know. Oh, if a lady's experience would be different from a man's. Who? Well, it's so <laughs> vastly different. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Kevin and I did jujitsu with a girl who was in the Hasidic community, and she would have to. She hid her gi and her belt oh, right, and everything yeah. from her parents, and she would have to make up excuses of like where she was going in the city, and then sneak out and do jujitsu. And I haven't seen her in a really long time. So I'm like, I mean, I've been out of jujitsu too. But before that, I yeah, had it was, seen her it was in before. like six months. So I'm like, fuck, I don't know if she got busted. Like, But it was mm-hmm. like hearing her talk about it. And it was totally normal to her. But I was like, you're being held hostage. Like, yes. how do you not see that? Um, but yeah, it is a very intense experience. I felt really, really sorry for her. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's. I mean, I don't want to go too far into being like, I feel bad for people who choose to live that lifestyle. Uh, no, the I issue is that there are people who don't choose that right. lifestyle. That's the and issue. It's so That's the issue. We're like... There, there is no choice within it. We, it's very similar to the, um, the hijab debate in mm-hmm. France, where yeah. it's like, well, these women are repressed. That's why they have to like cover their hair. And it's like, no, for so many women, this is a choice they're making, and you should honor that choice. But... For the people who are trying to get out of it and they can't, like, the best solution to that is not government intervention. It's it's giving them, a, like, a community outlet where they feel safe and mm-hmm. supported and they can be protected. Um, but you don't, like, make people more westernized by, like, insulting their religion <laughs> and saying this is stupid and you're all repressed because, like, yeah, I'm sure there are Hasidic women who are like, no, I, I love my life and I mm-hmm. love my family and please leave me the fuck alone that should be honored. But for the people who are trying to get out and they're like, that's when it becomes culty, you know, you should never like be fearful that your community is going to ostracize you and you'll be left like homeless and destitute. Or yeah, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting because they're so far removed from society, from secular society um, that they don't leave with any, any usable skills. Right. That's another issue. They don't learn math. So the, girl we did jujitsu with was like oh no i'm just supposed to find like a jewish husband and get married yes. that mm-hmm. was it like that was her and she was 
in like her late 20s and still living at home. Uh, she briefly tried to live on her own, but like got overwhelmed and moved back home, mm-hmm. which is like what happens when yeah. you don't have skills to live on your own. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. I got to check that out. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Please follow Hillary and Kevin on Twitter and Instagram at DT Hillary Brown, downtown Hillary Brown. Yep. <laughs> uh, Kevin is the Ninja Kevin. The Ninja Kevin. I don't know why I can never remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, we are a 100% listener supported show. If you're in a position to do so, please go to lighttreason.news. That's the website, lighttreason.news. Hit the donate button. You can support us for as little as $5 a month or a one-time donation to keep us going. Uh, Can't do it without your support. So even if you're currently a supporter, can you upgrade your support today? That's also rad. Uh, I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month over there. Get to send questions that we'll answer on Light Trees and News. $10 a month, we do an online hangout. $50 a month, I'll send you fucking mail. You want mail? I'll fucking send it to you. Uh, Guys, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.